eye hath not seen, nor has ear heard what God has in store for those that he loves. As a child, I used to hate being called a PK, preacher's kid. I used to hate it when people would say, the preacher's kids are the worst. I used to say, no, we just like you, you just judge us more. But I tell you, at nearly 41, the greatest honor of my life, other than being a blood-brought Christian, is being the son of Dr. Ron Phillips. So I'm going to do my best today to preach in 22 minutes, but you guys better not get excited because this is not going to be the norm. I like to preach about 40 normally, but I'm going to try to preach in about 20, 25 minutes this morning. I want to talk to you this morning about leaving a legacy, leaving a legacy. We talk a lot in this church about generational legacy because we know enough about the word to know that he is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to know that God is triune father, the covering, the son, the finished product, the Holy Spirit, divine momentum and intellect, one in three, three in one. We know enough about agreement and unity to understand that there is power in the legacy. And the devil hates generational legacy. The devil hates family businesses. The devil hates that which models the word and models God. That's why you'll often hear people throwing stones at families that work together or kingdoms that are advanced by way of unity and teamwork and family. But the God way is for you to leave a legacy to your children's children. What is a simple definition of legacy? Well, it's, it's what people remember about you when you're gone. It's what you leave when you leave. It's what you leave when you leave. What about you will live on when you are gone? What will people say about you? A wise parent has a will or a testament, last will and testament. Why? Because if they die and when they die, they want their financial matters to be cared for and handled the way they want it. They want to make sure their children's children have a legacy, have something to live for and something that will live on. If you are careless in your planning or in the way you live your life, you will leave chaos to your children and your children's children. If you are wise in your estate planning, you will leave comfort to your children's children. But that is just in the area of finances. I want to talk to you about faith because legacy is not only about financial matters. Legacy is about spiritual matters. My grandmother didn't have very much. She was dirt poor, but she left a spiritual legacy to her four children. That legacy continues today, long after she transitioned into the presence of God. It matters what you leave behind. Psalms 145 verse four says, one generation shall praise your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. Proverbs 13, 22 says, 
a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children, but the wealth of the sinner is stored up for the righteous. Most Bible versions do not include the word legacy even once. Legacy focuses on what will endure. It is about passing on things of lasting value to those who will live on after us. What can you spiritually leave to your children and your grandchildren? Legacy involves living intentionally and investing our time and energy into that which really matters. So our text today is Psalms 112. We don't know exactly who the psalmist was. We believe it was David, but there's really no proof of that. And it's a continuation from Psalms 111. Just six verses, and this is what it says. Praise the Lord, blessed are those who fear the Lord. The fear of the Lord defeats the spirit of fear. Fear of the Lord defeats the spirit of fear. That is the beginning of your walk with Christ is a healthy fear of the Lord. In other words, you don't want to be playing with God. You don't want to be living a double life. You don't want to be saying one thing, living one thing, but in your heart there is wickedness. Blessed are those who fear the Lord, who find great delight in his commands. This has to do with obedience. Obedience to God not only builds your character, it also builds your legacy. If you want to leave a legacy, it begins with a healthy fear of God and obeying what his word says. That's what you want people to remember about you. That's what I want people to remember about me. Not the bad things we struggle with, but obedience to the word of God, submission to the spirit of God, and compassion for those who don't know God. That is the kind of legacy we are called to leave all of us. Their children will be mighty in the land. In other words, you can make a decision today to obey God, to receive Christ as Savior, to be touched by the Spirit, you can make a decision today to change your mind and go from earthly focus to legacy focused. And when you make that decision, it's going to pay dividends long after you're gone and your children will walk in the blessing and favor of God because of the decisions you make in this season. Their children will be mighty in the land. Mighty doesn't mean in the Hebrew here physically strong. It means strong in spirit, strong in stature. It means when you're gone, if you leave a godly deposit into your children, if you leave the Holy Spirit into your children and grandchildren, that when the enemy comes after them or they face unfair circumstances or things happen that happen to all of us, they will know how to stand in accordance with Ephesians 6. They'll know how to pray the armor on. They'll know how to take the fight to the enemy. They'll know how to stick it out. If we leave that kind of deposit, they will be mighty in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches are in their houses and their righteousness endures forever, even in darkness. 
Light dawns for the upright, for those who are gracious and compassionate and righteous. God will come to those who are generous and lend freely, who conduct their affairs with justice and integrity. Surely, verse six, the righteous will never be shaken. They will be remembered forever. In other words, making a decision to follow Christ, to submit to the will and the spirit of God today will cause your children's children to shine in the midst of darkness. It will cause your children's children to shine in the midst of controversy. It will cause your children's children to shine in the midst of obscurity. You see, we look at everything through a world view of what we feel, hear, or think, or experience. But when you are saved, when you are filled with the spirit of the living God, the greatest lesson you will ever learn is that it's no longer about you. It's about those coming after you. It's about what's going to happen after you're gone. What godly deposits can you leave on this earth that will live on and be a blessing to those who need it? That's what you must think about. Shining in the midst of darkness, in the midst of pain and setback. I'm talking about a faith that lives on. In June of 2005, I'm not gonna share my entire story, but a psychologist would say what I experienced was a nervous breakdown or a psychological breakdown. I believe it was the Holy Spirit chasing me to save me, set me free, and put me on a pathway to God's kingdom. But I will tell you the crisis that I was facing when I experienced this, it was a crisis of legacy. It had nothing to do with my father or the pressure I felt growing up being his son, had nothing to do with that. The crisis I was facing as a young dad with a corporate job, a decent house, was a crisis of legacy. What do you want to be remembered for? And I didn't like the answer. What are you doing now with your life, Ronnie, that will live on when you're gone? Have you been obedient to my call? Have you been obedient to my word? Are you bitter? Are you angry? What are you doing now that will be a testimony and a blessing to your children? And the answer was nothing. And that was the breakdown that I encountered because when you start to look at your life through the lens of legacy, then you will realize the struggles that you are encountering matter. The decisions that you make matter. The words you speak matter. The investments you make financially matter. Where you go, what you sow, what you say, those things matter. And it broke me to my core. And thank God it did, because it sent me back to the Father's house. And I'm telling you this for one reason, because I want you to be aware of legacy. I want you to look at your life and what you do and what you speak into your children 
I want you to look at it through the lens of legacy. And even if you don't get every prayer answered, even if you don't get what you think you deserve or what you've been asking for, if you look at it through the lens of legacy, maybe, just maybe, your children's children will get what you've been praying for. Maybe, just maybe, the blessing wasn't for you. It was for those coming after you. Solomon faced a very similar encounter in Ecclesiastes 2. I mean, here's the successor of David. He built the temple in Ecclesiastes 2. You can read it on your own time, but he, he's having a crisis of legacy because his father is this heroic warrior and then he's walking in the favor of God. But yet Solomon comes to this place in Ecclesiastes 2 and, and he's talking about all the things he's chased. He says, listen, I've got the best music. I've got all the women. I, I've got the best wine. I've built the temple. I, I've undergone great projects. I'm a wonderful ar architect. I'm a wonderful builder. I'm the king. But yet, in the midst of all of these worldly things that King Solomon had accomplished, he comes to a place in his life in Ecclesiastes 2 where he says, but what about any of this will live on? He uses the word meaningless in the NIV and vanity in the King James. He says, all of these things I'm doing, it's a chasing of the wind. It's, it's all been about me, 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 me. And he had a crisis of legacy. What can I leave behind? What can you leave behind? What are you going to do with the time you have left? Those watching online, what are you going to do with the time you have left? Don't let me answer the question for you. The Spirit of God has answered the question for you and you know what God has called you to do. What are you waiting on? What are you waiting on? It's time to advance God's kingdom. Listen, I hear of death at least every 48 hours. Every week here at Abba's house, we are attending a funeral, a visitation, having a funeral. Death is very real. There is no promise for tomorrow, whether you're young or old. And I'm not saying this to scare you into heaven. I'm saying this to scare you into your destiny, to scare you into your purpose. Because I don't know how much time I've got and I don't know how much time you've got. So what is a godly legacy? Three things. Number one, it's a labor of love. Everybody say love. We know there are many different definitions of love. Eros, erotic love, the kind Kelly has for me. You know, we got phileo, brotherly love. We got storche, motherly love. And then the one that we talk about the most is agape love. It's the Jesus kind of love. It's that legacy love, that sacrificial love where it's no longer about you but what you leave behind to your children and your grandchildren. And a godly legacy, according to the word of God, is indeed a labor of love. 1 John 4, 18 says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. So it's about two things if you wanna leave a godly legacy. The first, it's about the great commandment. Listen, I'm thankful for all the political views and all the fighting and all the stands for righteousness. We must stand against evil. We must stand on the truth of God's word. But 
The great commandment is quite simple. The disciples were asking, they were trying to trap Jesus. And he simply says this, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is love your neighbor as yourself. Now the translation I'm reading doesn't say love your Republican neighbor as yourself. The translation I'm reading doesn't say love your straight neighbor as yourself. The translation I'm reading doesn't say love your white neighbor as yourself. It it says love your neighbor as yourself. So in other words, if you're not leaving a legacy of love, if you're not laboring for love first, then your words are meaningless. They're just a clanging of symbols. No one is gonna listen to your opinions if you don't have love. And we need to be known for love if we're going to call ourselves the Father's house and a house of grace. We can't be a house of grace if we're not a house of love. The great commandment, the great commission. If you're gonna leave a legacy of love, it's about loving God with all your heart, soul, and mind but, and loving your neighbor, but it's also about doing what Jesus has asked us to do as a church. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey my commandments. And lo, I will be with you even until the end of the age. I'm amazed at how many so-called pastors don't evangelize. I'm amazed at how many churches don't evangelize. Listen, this is not a religious gathering. This is an embassy of God's kingdom to come get filled up and sent back out in the power of the spirit to reach people where they are and to shine our light in the midst of controversy, obscurity, and darkness. That's what God has called us to do. So a godly legacy is indeed a labor of love. What do you want to be remembered for? The disciples had a crisis of legacy also. You remember in Mark chapter nine, they're they're having a conversation and Jesus overhears them and, and you know, they're human beings and they're a little selfish. I'm sure nobody else in here is a little selfish from time to time, just me probably. But they're saying, you know, who's the greatest? Who's gonna be remembered as Jesus' favorite? Which one of us are they gonna talk about long after we're gone as his favorite? Like, what can I do for Jesus here so I'll be his favorite? All that's ticky-tacky, worldly, fleshly stuff. And I love what Jesus said in response to them because he turned it on its head says they kept quiet because on the way they'd argued about who the greatest was. And Jesus said, he sat down, called them in calmly and says, anyone who wants to be first must be last and the servant of all. A labor of love is about serving people who can't give you anything in return can't give you anything in return. Loving people that don't even know how to love you back. Selfish ambition dies with us. Sacrifice lives beyond us. What are you willing to sacrifice that will live beyond you? 
What are you willing to build? What are you willing to do? What are you willing to say? What are you willing to sow? Where are you willing to go to advance God's kingdom? Because I can promise you this, been in ministry over 40 years, heard the greatest preaching, have a number of degrees, been preaching 15 years, and here's the one thing I'll tell you. There is nowhere in God's word unless you're taking a Sabbath or taking a rest where it encourages you to do nothing. You better have some works with that faith. God has not called you just to come in here and sit. He's called you to serve. He's called you to labor for the sake of love, God's love. He's called you to do something. Number two, it's not only a labor of love, it's a lifestyle of faithfulness. Proverbs 3, verse 3 says this, let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor. Everybody say favor. And a good name in the sight of God and man. In Galatians, it talks about Abraham. And we preached on Abraham last week and his test of faith. But he is a man of faith and he moved God's hand and heart because he was willing by faith to leave his home country, to wait on the blessing and to sacrifice the blessing when God asked him to. And in Abraham, all nations shall be blessed, even the Gentiles. Somebody should shout, I'm blessed. See, if you're living a life of love and faithfulness, and you can't have faithfulness without faith, and faith is believing in that which you can't see. Faith is the ability to speak to the mountains. Faith is the way you interact and advance God's kingdom. You don't have to know the end to march forward in faith. You just have to believe God's word, stand on it, and walk after his anointing. And when you do, things will begin to shift. Faith activates faithfulness, and works are the results of your faith. So Abraham, being a man of faith, he's given us this promise. We are blessed because of the lineage of Jesus Christ. So in other words, Hit your neighbor and say, nothing can stop me. Nothing can stop you. God's already called you blessed. You keep talking yourself out of it. You're talking yourself out of what Jesus paid for. You have to believe in yourself. You have to advance God's kingdom. You cannot listen to a bunch of people with 100 followers and no likes who are criticizing you. I learned a long time ago the drop and block method. You get one strike with me on social media, say something stupid, you're dropped and blocked. Because <laughs> I don't engage, so I devil has to try to attack me because I don't engage with dumb people. My grandfather told me you out on a farm, you, there are certain piles you just don't mess with. <laughs> Some things don't smell unless you stir them up. Can I get an amen? <laughs> a lifestyle of faithfulness. And I close here, number three. I told you I wasn't gonna be as long as normal. A godly legacy is limitless when submitted to the Spirit of God. If there's anything we can learn from my father's legacy, there's a lot to be learned. But I believe the main thing is a man with all the degrees and all the titles and all the Baptist privilege that sold out for the Spirit of the living God. And I'm telling you, he wouldn't want this service to just be about honoring him. 
You need to be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit that was present in creation hovering, that was present during Pentecost, that was the fulfillment of the promise Jesus left us when he ascended. The Holy Spirit is a comforter, a teacher. It is power. It is divine momentum and intellect. It will carry you when you can't carry yourself. It will do things through you and say things through you and pray things through you that can't even be Imagined. It will cause you to serve in a deeper way. It will cause you to labor in love. It will cause you to lay hands on the sick and see them healed. The Holy Spirit will cause you to make wise business decisions that you shouldn't even know how to make, but the Spirit, being the teacher, will teach you and guide you into the blessing and favor of God. You'll know where to invest your money. You'll know who to marry. You'll know who to connect with. You'll know what to do. You'll even know how to do it, and you won't even know how you know. But you know, because the knower lives in you. And if the knower's in you and his power's on you, you can't lose. The greatest thing that I witnessed with my dad when he got filled with the Holy Spirit was the change in his demeanor. He became calmer. He became sweeter. He became a better friend to his friends and a better father to me and my sisters. He was never a bad one. But that spirit on him gave him the fruit. The evidence is not about how you pray, it's about how you act. You ain't got the Holy Ghost if you ain't got fruit. I've heard tongue talkers, some of the meanest people I've ever met in my life speak in tongues. Meanest religious people. I'm telling you, you need the fruit of the Spirit. I'm talking about love. I'm talking about joy, peace, patience, kindness, long-suffering, gentleness, self-control. When you got the Holy Spirit in you and on you, it ought to change how you speak to people. It ought to change how you act towards people. You ought to have a little grace on your life for people's mistakes and people's hurts and people's struggles. It's fruit, but it's fire. John the Baptist said, there's one coming after me with sandals. I'm not worthy to loose it or baptize you with fire. Fire. Some of you need some fire on your life. You need the power on your life. You need to be filled with the Holy Ghost. You need God's favor on your life. And you need some friends who know how to get in the secret place of the Most High cry out for some fresh oil and new wine and I believe with all of my heart friend if you will cry out to God he will answer you the word promises he will answer you Romans 8 26 in that same way the spirit helps us in our weakness we do not know what we ought to pray for but the spirit himself speaks through us and prays through us through groans Don't tell me tongues have ceased. No, people are just scared. They haven't been desperate enough and weak enough to allow the spirit to take over. Says this spirit searches our hearts, knows our mind. And that spirit intercedes for us in accordance with God's will. In other words, the Holy Spirit knows what's best for you more than you do. And when you allow the Spirit to start stirring in your life, things shift, things change. And see, Spirit and truth leads to 20A. All things work together for the good to those who love God 
and are called according to his purpose. But you can't get there without the Spirit. And you need the Spirit of the living God. So pastor, what are you asking us to do today? What is a person of legacy supposed to do? Lead others to Jesus. Love others to Jesus. Live in a way that honors Jesus. And when you do that, generations will speak of your works. They'll remember you and your legacy will live on long after you're gone. You say, Pastor Ronnie, I come from a broken home. I come from a dysfunctional family. I was abused, I was hurt. I, was, I don't even know what a godly legacy even looks like. Well, I'm gonna tell you, you can be the change agent. Change can start with you. You can make a decision today to leave a better legacy. And I believe it, just as my father did at eight years old, and I did at 17 and again at 23, if you'll make a decision to pursue God, he will walk with you hand in hand. He'll never leave you and never forsake you. And let me tell you what Jesus can do for you. He can change your life. Why? Because of his labor of love, he died on the cross for your sins. Why? Because of his faithfulness to you through good times and bad, he'll love you and no one else will. And how? By way of the spirit, he left us until he comes back for his church, for the bride of Christ. Everything about a legacy is what Jesus has already done for you. You just have to receive it. Would you bow your head and close your eyes all over this place? Would my pastors please make their way down just a moment? If you need Jesus in your life, if you want to make a decision today that will lead to a godly legacy, first thing we need to take care of is to make sure you know Jesus is your Savior. If you need Jesus in your life, it starts with love. It was a labor of love. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son and whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. The Bible says all you have to do is accept this labor of love, confess with your mouth, believe in your heart that God has raised Christ Jesus from the dead, you'll be saved. So whether you're on line and home on your phone, walking, jogging at the gym or in the house, if you need Jesus, pray this prayer with me. Abba's house, help me. Dear Lord Jesus, y'all help me louder. Dear Lord Jesus, Lord, forgive me of my sins. Please come into my heart and save me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and use me for your glory. If you prayed that prayer, you need to make a public confession of your faith. Do not be ashamed. You need to run down to one of these pastors and say, I prayed to receive Christ. So I'm gonna ask you to do that. First, if you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit, if you wanna join Abba's house, if you wanna connect with us in any kind of way, these pastors will help you. Would you stand on your feet? If you prayed to receive Jesus, you come in this moment. I'm gonna pray for people to be filled with the Holy Ghost, but before I do, if you prayed, you wanna connect with this church, or you need Jesus, or you wanna make a decision today, you run down here during worship. You tell one of these pastors, I've decided to follow Jesus today.